0: Hi, and welcome to Food of the Table, the small group podcast with Reverend Kev. I got him! Okay, so, uh, yeah, if you guys are just jumping in for the podcast for the first time today, uh, every time we start off the podcast, I will just jump right into the whole welcome to the Food of the Table uh, little line thing. Also known as the intro. As, oh, yeah, the intro. Thank you. I couldn't remember the word. I was like, okay, I'm just going to quote myself that I just said. But Kevin just begins to like die laughing for some
1: reason. It's every time. We don't know why. Or no I don't idea. know why.
0: Do you, no, I have no idea. It's not really. Just like,
1: it's really not that funny, so I don't know why I do it. Oh, well,
0: I appreciate that.
1: Jerk. You're welcome. But guys,
0: today we're back on the podcast. We've been off for a whole week. Honestly, it took me like 11 takes to figure out how I say the opener. But... We are very grateful to be back on our podcast today. Actually, mm-hmm. back in our Bible study today. Mm-hmm. We are jumping into John chapter 11, the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. Yep. And guys, it's probably one of mine and Kevin's favorite stories. If not our favorite story, one of the ones that we find mm-hmm. very important. And has a lot of stuff. Yeah, in it.
1: there really is a lot to kind of unpack in this. There are a lot of little details and little phrases that can really mean a lot whenever you look at them.
0: And just the the amount of impact that these things. Like the shortest verse is found in this chapter.
1: It is. For all of you Bible trivia nerds out
0: there. I'm on Bible Drills. Also. (laughs) Anybody do Bible Drills?
1: Speaking of Bible Drills,
0: some
1: some of you may not have any idea what we're talking about. Um, So Bible Drills are... Well, I don't know. I shouldn't be the one explaining this because even <laughs> I get confused like
0: on what they are, really. Bible Drills is literally a uh, children's program to help them uh, memorize and study the Bible, learn the books of the Bible, things like that. And there's actually competitions within the Southern Baptist Convention where kids will learn Bible verses, be able to quote it. And not only that, learn how to navigate their Bible. It's called sword drills. Yeah, it's so where never... they can get to the quickest spots in the Bible.
1: I never did that.
0: Now, I never did it either. My, I was the Baptist growing up.
1: My whole experience with, I guess, Bible drills, maybe, was just like racing to see who could find something the fastest, and like that was it. See, mine was uh,
0: how who could do the books of the Bible the fastest. My dad used to have that challenge when we were growing up.
1: What, like, who could recite all the books, or all whatever? sixty-six
0: books in order? The fastest. I think the fastest I've gotten was twelve point five seconds.
1: Yeah, I I still don't think I could do
0: that. No. Well, see, I realize one thing. It's a very good tool to have because I remember where the books are very quickly Mm -hmm. and stuff. But there's also one thing amazing that uh, the Lord has provided many pastors. It's called Bible tabs.
1: And there is also a thing called a table of contents. Yeah, the index. Yeah. Um, (laughs) just throwing that out there. Hey, now Uh, come on. Books are a wonderful wonderful thing because they have those. Uh,
0: So it's okay if you don't know. How long does it take you to go to the table of contents, find the page the book starts on, have to flip all the way to that page, and go find the book chapter and verse?
1: Just as long as it takes to...
0: No. No, because I have
1: tabs. There it is. Well, that was weird. I actually opened up to where we're at. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: kind of creepy because you don't even have the rope there. Hold on. Nope. <laughs> a little ribbon thing there. Yo, know, Today is going to be a very interesting podcast. We're just going to be honest with you.
1: My brain is on empty today. Uh, in fact, it's probably past empty. Um, so we're just going and seeing what happens.
0: And you know what? Sometimes our best stuff comes out when you're in that mood. You're just like, oh hey, and then you like you spark you're like, oh, dude, I love this. And you just talk on and on. And I get this very powerful moment in what you say. It's really fun to listen to.
1: Well, you know, hopefully that'll happen.
0: Yeah, it's like where a lot of your quotes come from is the moment when you're exhausted.
1: I don't know what to think about that. <laughs>
0: well, no, like the things that we're pulling out for stickers and things like that. You know, these like great designs that we have. The thing that we were going to put on in front of a t-shirt, which we still need to do.
1: Speaking of stickers. If you have an idea that, uh, of something we say that would look good on a sticker, reach out to us. How can they reach out to us, Kevin? Let us know. Hit us up on our socials. If you're on uh, Facebook and Instagram, hit us up at Food at the Table Podcast. If you're on Twitter, hit us up at Food at the Table. And if you are on the TikTok, uh, hit up Wayne's Q&A section. At Rev. Wayne, and if you're feeling like a business professional,
0: a business professional,
1: hit us up at Food at the Table Podcast at gmail.com.
0: That's Food at the Table Podcast at
1: Submit ahead, today.
0: Wow! I think we need to get cool sound effects for our podcast.
1: We definitely need a uh, soundboard. Yeah,
0: we can we'll talk about it later we got ideas guys we're just we're in that mode today it's gonna to be great mm. but guys we have so much stuff going on not only uh if you want to submit ideas for stickers which are awesome because we're already getting some like great ideas that have been sent to us mm-hmm. like we're trying to find out how to get these stickers done but if you like to submit ideas for stickers not only that hey if you find an awesome quote you're like this will be awesome on a t-shirt let us know because you know, yes, we listen to our podcast. We always do all the editing and stuff like that. But a lot of times you miss the words because you're busy looking at the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. So, hey, if you hear an awesome quote, send it to us. We'd love to be able to start putting stuff up, getting you guys more stuff to get a hold of. We do have our Food at the Table Small Group Podcast stickers. Mm-hmm. That if you'd like to have a sticker, reach out to us. We'd love to send you one.
1: Absolutely.
0: But, guys, today we're going to go ahead and jump into our Bible study today in John Chapter 11. John chapter 11 holds the story of the resurrection of Lazarus, but it starts off in kind of a moment where we kind of realize who in the world Jesus was working with. I think it's the best way to say that. To realize that Jesus, a divine being, the God incarnate, was working with people.
1: Oh, yeah, I get what you're saying now.
0: It's probably one of the most relatable moments that we can have is having to work with people that do He's, don't he's
1: trying to say that Jesus was surrounded by a bunch of idiots.
0: Yes. It's kind of like, I, I hate to say it this way, but you hear a lot of these stories like in the workplaces, like, you know, that one person who knows how to do their job but that moment when it doesn't seem like anybody else knows what they're doing or doesn't get or grasp what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I really think we find Jesus in that moment here. Let's go ahead and jump in, and we'll read today. Uh, John chapter 11, uh, start off at verse 1, it says this, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who, was anointed, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill.
1: So have we, I don't think we've talked about that story yet. I don't think we have. Okay, uh, so just real quick, in fact, in fact isn't that in 12? I think that's in chapter oh, yeah, 12, it's actually. Chapter 10. Uh, but regardless. Is it in 12? Uh, I think so. Uh,
0: yeah, it is. So we haven't got there yet. Yeah.
1: But uh, basically, really quick overview, overview, so you know what's going on. Uh, that story is all about how uh, Jesus was eating with his disciples, and Mary had this like really expensive perfume, and uh, she opened it up, Uh, poured it all over Jesus' feet uh, and like cleaned slash uh, quote unquote anointed Jesus' feet with oil by using her hair Uh, and Judas uh, the bad Judas uh, Judas. was like why would you do that? You could have sold that and given the money to the poor Uh, and Jesus was like hey Knock it off. She's doing a good thing for me, cause I'm not always gonna be here, so she's doing what she can while I'm here. So leave her alone.
0: Come on, Judas.
1: Basically. Um so continue. <laughs> that's basically that's the uh KGV version. K the KGV version. There we go. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs>
0: Oh wait, y'all! We actually got some, somebody uh, made a picture of that. We're gonna have to post that the KGV version. Yes, or it's gonna be posted. And thank you, Bree, for making some wonderful like artwork. It's they what, are amazing. It,
1: what was it like? Large print, pocket sized, yeah. or something?
0: Multiple ribbons. <laughs> <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> oh wait! But as we continue on verse uh, three, so the sister sent him uh, sent to him saying, "Lord, he whom you love is ill." And when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So I'm going to kind of uh, stop there. I want to point out something real quick. We get Jesus gets an urgent message from Mary and Martha mm-hmm. that says, Hey, Lazarus is sick. He's going to die yeah it's pretty much what the letter or what the message is saying because what they would do is they would have sent not just a letter they would have sent a messenger so somebody who's meant to run to where jesus was at tell him the message and run back with the answer
1: it's where we get the whole concept of the phrase like don't shoot the messenger." exactly like there would have been someone physically go to them say hey there's a here's a message from yada yada and then give them the message. It
0: was more personal version of the post, uh, postal service that we have, like, in America. Yeah. Uh, the way that they would just drop it off in a mailbox. So this person, uh, generally, they would run to you, not just give you a message. They would also generally bring the person with them if it was so urgent. Mm-hmm. But Jesus really looked at it and was like, oh, okay, well, here's sending this message back. And he offers this phrase that uh, a lot of people kind of get confused on. He says, um, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So we kind of get instantly a moment of confusion. I I can see where the confusion would have started
1: here. Yeah, because, I mean, thinking at that, he literally says, this illness does not lead to death. So if it doesn't lead to death, that means he's going to live. Right? Like, obviously.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, they're sitting here looking at Lazarus. Lazarus is going to die. No, don't worry. He's not going to die. And then we keep going. Now, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, so he loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus is ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So instead of running, he loved them, but instead of going to them directly, he's going to stay two more days. Y'all, so you see where the confusion starts in this, this story? This is,
1: everything in this seems backwards. Exactly. Like, nothing is adding up. Like, if you love someone that much, and they are deathly ill, why would you stay? Stay where you're at and not go to
0: him. Exactly, because when we look at like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, uh, this relationship that they have with Jesus, a lot of people misconstrue the relationship that Mary and Jesus had. They think it was a very romantic one. That is blasphemous. It's not a romantic relationship. He loved that family as if it was his own family. Mm-hmm. So they, he saw them as siblings. He saw them as people that he cared for deeply. Yeah, you know, same thing we say with John the Beloved. You know, though the, the apostle or the disciple that whom Jesus loved. That we always get. You know, also the fact that John was the fastest. It's also because we're reading the book of John. So, uh, <laughs> we'll yeah, get to that yeah. later. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll get to that by Easter. Uh, but it says this: uh, then, so after he stayed two days longer in the place where he was, so verse 7, then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, but are going there, and you're going there again. So, this is right after the moment that Jesus was going to get stoned rebuking the rabbi at the temple that we really didn't get to go to in end of john chapter 10
1: yeah so remember uh the last time we were in our bible study we were talking about john chapter 10 and how uh jesus is the good shepherd uh and all that remember uh the shepherd know him and he know or the sheep know the shepherd and he the shepherd know the sheep knows the sheep uh him being the gate, and you have to go in through the gate, and anyone who climbs another way is a thief and robber, and all that other good stuff in there. KG, um, do the KG version, version yeah, like that. Uh, <laughs> King
0: Gentry version, we're gonna start calling,
1: um, but uh. Shoot, I totally lost it. Thanks, Sorry. Lane. She's no, like, every time you start um, quoting scripture, I just
0: hear like the old bluegrass gospel coming in there, just very badly played. <laughs> just like, I don't know why. Like, an attitude banjo starts picking behind you.
1: <laughs> why? That's terrible.
0: I mean, <laughs> well, it's just because, like, you're quoting scripture, and, like, instantly, for some reason, when we quote scripture, for some reason, we always go back to, like, the King James Version. So we do a synopsis of the King James because it's just how the story is taught to us as kids. So we learn the King James version sometimes so we get like a brief synopsis of that and then we, we quote it in our own translation.
1: I mean, maybe?
0: Well, it's like, the shepherd knows uh, his sheep. The sheep know the shepherd. Oh. be ding 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 <laughs> Sorry.
1: Alright, uh, <laughs> continuing on before this goes even more downhill. Um... So we get him going on that huge, big. Um, would you consider that a parable?
0: Yes, very much so.
1: Okay, uh, he's going. Yeah, sorry. Right, go through this parable slash
0: metaphor. Yeah, I
1: would say more of a metaphor. Well, than a parable,
0: it's parable. Uh, parables are really just stories. Um, stories with with a point, stories with a moral. So it could be technically a parable, but it wasn't. Really well, he's a story. not really
1: saying a story. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, more of a metaphor. metaphor I guess. Works. Um, but uh at the end of that uh our good old pharisee friends uh they get really angry Because well, yeah, jesus uh, starts
0: to rebuke them he calls them that your father is the, is satan so you yeah. obviously worship nobody well no we we follow the teachings of abraham yeah and sure you do and
1: he's like uh yeah cool if you knew abraham you would know me all that good stuff and uh he uh, does he claim to be? Yeah, I, he says that I and the Father are one. And then that's when they like, blasphemy! And they start picking up rocks to stone him, and Jesus dips out of there. Exactly. Uh, and now where we are in chapter 11, uh, the disciples are like, wait, we just ran from there, and you're wanting to go
0: back? Come on. What are you
1: talking about?
0: And they literally kind of pick up with that. The disciples said to him, verse 8, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. Does he see the light of this world? But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What?
1: Which, like, yeah, let's be real. That has... On the surface, that has nothing to do with anything. And, like, even knowing the Bible, knowing what we know, that is still is, like, totally out of play. Like, Jesus, you okay? <laughs> hey, buddy, How?
0: did you stroke out? Okay, come on. But it's like this moment when he just offers this level of wisdom. Hey, we're going to go back to Judea, but they're going to stone you. Well, is there not 12 hours in the day? If you walk in the light, you don't stumble, but when you walk at night, you surely do stumble. So if you're on a trip over something. Mm-hmm. And it's this moment of, hey, can I not see them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I go in there blind, I might stumble, but can I not see them? I won't stumble. I know who's I know who's coming. Mm-hmm. Type thing. But he continues on and it's like these little snippets. And the reason why we're kind of brushing past that is not because, hey, it's not important, it's because it takes place and takes part of the bigger schemes. Always remember, guys, the word of God. Should not be just determined by one or two verses. Always look at it in the scheme Please, of the story of the
1: Bible and everything. Please, I'm going to be real. If you are listening to any sort of uh, preacher or someone trying to teach you the scriptures, um, and they are just using like a verse here and a verse there and a verse over here and a verse over here. If you are if you have the opportunity to follow along in your own uh, copy of God's Word, if you can read and kind of kind of pay attention to what he's saying at the same time, do it because you'll be able to check what that guy is saying or guy or girl or whoever is saying. With your copy of God's Word in your hand, making sure that they are uh, teaching biblically. Exactly. Uh,
0: I always tell my kids, you know, it is not their job just to listen to me when I teach or yeah. preach. Uh, the member of the con, the job of the congregation is to make sure that the pastor is in check. Yes, it is an opportunity for them to worship and listen to the Word of God, but they also need to read the Bible along with. there's why it's so important to have your own copy.
1: You. You have to know the Bible in order to know whenever you're being taught something wrong. Exactly, and that is the way that we get all of these different uh, false doctrines, like prosperity gospel, yeah, pro- pro- or progressive Christianity,
0: yeah, all these other
1: things that fall into that. Yes. Which, uh,
0: like, there's been a phrase out there now. A lot of the things that we see is uh, outside the. I don't want to say traditional Christianity, because that the word's always very uh, fragile because of what is traditional Christianity. We have Catholicism and Protestantism. Then Protestantism is like 95 different versions of us. Mm-hmm. I get that. But outside of Scripture, when you take things outside of Scripture, all that is called is selective atheism. It's a moment where you're not believing in the true one yes. of the holy God. You are choosing to pick certain moralities, which atheists can be very moral. Mm-hmm. You know, There's plenty of people who follow the Christian morals and values who are into this day in hell. Mm-hmm. No way to sugarcoat that.
1: Well, I mean, think about it. I think, for the most part, our society agrees that uh, murdering is bad.
0: Stealing's wrong.
1: Um, and uh, I know not everyone knows about it, but, like, the golden rule. Like, do unto others. Tons of people. Yes, everyone knows the idea of do to others what o- you want others to you.
0: Really. And probably one of the most quoted uh, Gandhi uh, quotes ever done Mm. is, you know, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Yes. That mentality. Because even Gandhi liked the Christian morality. Mm. But he didn't like how Christians undid things because Christians didn't follow the morality. How can you call yourself a Christian if you don't follow Christ? That kind of thing. But that's a little bit of a soapbox. But when it comes back into this idea of proper, that word hermeneutics that I use uh, every so often. My big word that I like to use is how to study the Scripture. We've talked about that. Make sure you guys are studying it, not just the verse, but how that verse fits with the verse before and afterwards, how it fits in the whole chapter, how does it fit in the book of the Bible that you're reading, how does it fit in the whole scheme of the book, of the Bible itself. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Always understand there's more than just what the verse says. And also take it in context. Remember yeah. that this is written to people of Israel the this Jews, was, the Gentiles, the Greeks.
1: This was written uh
0: almost two thousand years ago?
1: Yeah. And you have to keep in mind that society as we know it has changed dramatically mm-hmm. from even just two, three years ago.
0: Yeah. So we have to think just how much does it shift from there to here. But exactly. the Bible still means something to us today. Exactly. But as we continue on reading through this, as we kind of get past that whole uh, the hour time and things like that that Jesus is doing, it says uh verse 10, But if anyone who walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So this moment, hey, if you're walking with Christ, you're good. But if you walk without a uh, Christ, you'll stumble. It's kind of where he was going with Verse 11, it says, After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Jesus is like, okay, we're going to go back to Judea. And they're like, why? Aren't they going to kill you? Well, we're going to go back for a reason. We're going to go wake up our our friend Lazarus. And this is really when we kind of start to realize the disciples were not smart.
1: But let's be real. It makes sense why they thought this.
0: Exactly. <laughs> in verse 12, we see the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Jesus, if he's fallen asleep, he'll get better, right? And now Jesus has spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest in sleep.
1: Which, let's be real, we can't blame him for thinking yeah. that.
0: Your friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Oh, cool, why? but should, isn't sleep good?
1: Because, like, let's... Let's run it back a little bit. Remember, they just got the message from Mary Martha, uh, and they probably would have known Jesus' reply to them uh, of being like, oh, hey, uh, uh, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So they're like, oh, hey, cool. Jesus is probably going to like heal him, maybe. Or maybe he'll just recover on his own. But either way, like this illness isn't going to kill him. Cool. Is
0: he healing him? Is it a prophecy? What's going on?
1: Either way, he just said Lazarus isn't going to die. Yeah.
0: So when he says, "Hey, he's falling asleep," they're like, "Oh, but oh, so that's how he's going to get better." So daughter. so he'll
1: just he'll just sleep it off. Yeah. And
0: the whole time, uh, Jesus was
1: talking they're about they're death. not they're not quite getting it. No. Uh, and that's that's where verse fourteen
0: this so is then jesus told them plainly lazarus has died so it's just like this moment of okay we're you, your friend lazarus has fallen asleep we're gonna go I'll wake him up and everybody everybody's like oh he'll rest it off right well, so why wake him up he's doing the good thing guys he's dead what so like the moment it's just like what you, you just told us he this wasn't gonna lead to death right you told Mary and Martha two days ago, he wasn't going to die. But now he's dead. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a moment of questioning, right? Yeah, you know, it's this moment that we kind of ponder, what's, what's the point here? Why did Jesus let him die in the
1: first place? Yeah, because, I mean, before uh, there have been instances before this where Jesus has healed people that um, they haven't necessarily been uh Close to. So like uh, the Roman centurion uh, or the Roman official or whatever you yeah. want to call him uh, who ran to Jesus and was like, Jesus, my daughter is sick. I, I know that you can heal her. Please do. Go home. She's already healed. Yes. So this wouldn't have been totally outside of the realm of possibility in the disciples' minds. Yeah. Um, but also keep in mind that it's the disciples that we're dealing with and uh, they kind of stumble over the same things a few times. Yeah,
0: Uh, and that's one thing that we really kind of grasp because it's something we struggle with as Christians today. Yes. When we look at it, it's like playing a video game. We play the video game first person. Mm -hmm. You know, We only see what's in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. God plays it from that third person perspective. He sees the big picture while we only see what's right in front
1: of us. Think of... You and your friend watching a movie at some point, and you've seen the movie 50,000 times. You can quote it frontwards and backwards. You know everything that happens. You know every frame of the film. Uh, You know every single tiny detail of it. Mm -hmm. And then your friend watching it for the first time.
0: Yeah. You know what's coming next but they have no idea. Exactly. And it's this moment that we really kind of find Jesus kind of struggling with the disciples here because they said in verse 16, and for, you, uh, for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Wait, so he's like, okay, Lazarus is died. And for your sake, I am I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So there's this moment of, hey, this God's going to be glorified in this. I'm glad I was not there to heal him because now this will give you opportunity to believe that I truly am God.
1: Which this is kind of uh him restating his message to Mary and Martha uh in a way yeah. it's it's a little bit different but it is saying look i am we are not there because god will be glorified uh and that's just kind of where he leaves it yeah uh and we'll see kind of the way that that plays out later on
0: well and then we, he states this straight to the deposit. the uh yeah the disciples i call them the apostles uh the disciples the apostles uh in verse 16 we we still find them they're confused because we find thomas also called the twin but uh, a lot of people uh within the christian community if you grew up going to be va- uh like vacation bible schools stuff like that we call him doubting thomas mm-hmm. because he always doubted god was going to do something miraculous here this is the moment uh one he got marked as doubting Thomas, because he's like, you know, I know Jesus raised from the dead. If I can put my fingers through his hands, through his feet, mm. and hit my hand up into his side to see the, the hurt.
1: That was, we'll talk about that story later. Yeah, when but, we get there. but here's that's way, really.
0: Here's an instance that we really find Jesus, I find Thomas' character proven to be doubtful. Yeah. And that, because uh, he says this, uh, to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him.
1: What? Like, let's just pause, think about that for a second. How in the world do you get to that conclusion? How do you get to the point of... The only, the only thing I can think of is like, okay, if God's going to be glorified through Lazarus' death... I'm going to die, too, so he can be glorified even more.
0: Exactly. It's kind of, that's honestly, when you read it, it's kind of the mentality that that's, is getting.
1: That is the only line of logic that I can get from this.
0: Well, yeah, because uh, the whole thing is, this won't lead to death, this will lead to the glory of God. Uh, it's a good thing that I was not there for him to be alive, That because now that he's dead, uh, you also have an opportunity to believe. Oh, well, good thing. Let us also go die so that other people can believe too. Thomas No. Buddy.
1: Buddy, Buddy it's gonna come be okay. On.
0: So we see this kind of struggle with the disciples a little bit here. As they're trying to understand Jesus, I'll be honest with you, like you can see the obvious tension in what Jesus is like the words Jesus has written down here. Yeah.
1: And let's Oh, my brain just died. What just happened? Um, let's kind of track for a minute of how Jesus had to tell them plainly. It's like trying to explain some big, complicated uh, concept. It's like a bunch of kindergartners. Uh, think of, like, uh, trying to explain... Uh, trigonometry or something like that or like calculus or something to a bunch of kindergartners.
0: It's like when I try to explain to you what hermeneutics
1: is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, it, you only think he explains it every time for you, but no, it's reminding me of what it is. Um but you can you can tell kind of the the struggle. Yeah. That's coming here. Um And also, kind of to give the disciples a little bit of credit, though, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they have witnessed anyone being resurrected from the dead at this point.
0: It really depends on the gospel that you read. And I hate to say it that way because everybody says there's uh, contradictions within the gospels. Uh, No, there's no contradictions within any of the gospels. It's just the timeline. It seems to shift. Some of them likes to put it somewhere or mm. another else. Or did they do it multiple times? Like the feeding of the five thousand versus the feeding of the three thousand. Yeah. What's the difference? Could it be the same event? No, it's two different events at two different times in life, Christ. But we do find uh, earlier on that Jesus has resurrected, resurrected, like a little boy whose mom was begging. Like they were literally put him in the casket, was carried him out to the graveyard, and. Um, oh, cried yeah. out and said hey yeah. uh, would you resurrect my son so she this boy had recently died he hadn't been dead for a day yet. She's mm-hmm. like oh yeah he's came back to life yeah so they had seen Jesus do miracles they've seen Jesus heal people they've seen him resurrect a small boy but Lazarus is now dead and he's been dead for a while
1: so this uh, to give the disciples a little bit of credit this would have been the first time they're dealing with a situation like this yeah so, I can get them trying to wrap their heads around this, and it just not working. Oh. It's like us trying to fully understand the Trinity.
0: Yeah, it doesn't work. Like, it
1: just isn't going to click.
0: And that's always one thing that we see a lot of times within like life of believers. There's a lot of moments in our lives where we're going through catastrophic events. Mm. Uh, you know, sickness, death, injury, something happens, and we're like, God, why... Uh, how how can you be glorified through this mm. why am i going through this and we start to blame god for things
1: mm.
0: and it's always just constant going back and forth god how are you going to be glorified in this because once again we're only seeing from that first person we're seeing the small picture but jesus sees the whole picture yeah so the disciples are taking that little bit of information they have trying to see the big picture and jesus and is it's, like you're it's, not going to understand it out. yeah because yeah, the trinity in itself is supernatural humans mm-hmm. only can understand the natural It's why things supernatural scare us exactly So we could kind of continue on because as we see the struggle, they begin to walk over to Judea. They're going over to Mary and Martha. It answers this in verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb four days. So Lazarus has been dead and buried four days.
1: Let's also keep in mind, Jesus stayed where he was at for two days. Mm -hmm. So even if they left immediately, Lazarus would have been dead. For two days. Yes. Ish.
0: Well, where Uh, we can kind of get it. Yeah, because the thought is that when Mary and Martha had made the messenger go to Christ, that would have been a day or maybe half a day to mm -hmm. get there. Well, at the time that he had left, Lazarus died. So it was important for Jesus to come back with the messengers. That would have been a day. Jesus stays for two days. So there's that day travel. The two days Jesus stays there and the day travel to get back four days
1: so Lazarus was like dead dead <laughs>
0: yeah. well because you have to think at this time uh, in the way that the Israel uh, the Israelites how they would bury their dead how the Hebrews would bury their dead uh, whenever they died they didn't do what we do where the body can stay at the funeral home for a couple of days like mm. you died something like uh, I hate to use this we do we had a death in the church mm. and like the death happened on Sunday the funerals Friday they didn't have the embalming techniques that we have. They don't have all these different functions that they did. If you died, they let the community know, people came over, you prepped the body, you buried it. Because what's going to happen is that body's going to stink.
1: It, the decomposition process is going start. to start.
0: And within like the fourth day, or the third, is really the third day, they would have to come back, unroll the stone, put perfume on the body to keep it from smelling too terrible.
1: Mm.
0: So this is like day four. It's past that. Keep, Lazarus is gone.
1: Keep all of this in mind because uh there is it does mention the fact that it was stinky. Oh, it's uh, my favorite passage in scripture. Like, yeah, besides John 15 13, it's my favorite passage um, in scripture. But uh remember that this whole process had to happen
0: quickly. Yeah. So in verse 18, we see this Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother so we see a big house full of people people there to help mourn with Mary and Martha. It's kind of like when we have wakes at our house people just keep coming in stuff like that yeah, so think
1: here. of think of it almost as like uh, a f- not necessarily a complete funeral but uh, kind of like the after aftermath of a funeral where yeah. like people might bring food. Or uh, people just might come to hang out and be like, hey, you doing okay? Uh, just checking in on, uh, on the family. That type thing. Yeah. That's what's going on.
0: Especially if you're from uh, the South, like the South in America. One mm-hmm. of the biggest things that we do, uh, I was kind of, I found it funny. When both my grandparents passed away on my mom's side of the family, uh, when my papa died, it was like granny's front door never closed. People kept coming in, they kept dropping off food. They were trying to take care of us, but not just that. They were there to share stories, yeah. spend time with us, you know, just to be with us, see what they could do to take care of us. Yeah. In the uh, Hebrew culture, that's what they would do as well. They would bring food over, and it was a moment where they can come and mourn together because mm-hmm. they didn't really have what we have as a funeral service or a eulogy and things like
1: that. There wasn't necessarily like a designated
0: time. For no, that. it was a prolonged event. Mm-hmm. Like this, this event would last days, and it's just amazing to see how that culture kind of translates off into what we do now mm-hmm. sorry i'm always fascinated by where the connections are yeah i'm weird but uh verse uh 18 and 19 and many of the jews 19 many jews had come to martha and consult him concerning their brother so when martha heard that jesus was coming she went and met him but mary remained seated in the house so we see this moment that jesus was coming to the town martha knew the house was packed she so wouldn't be able to be I one-on-one with God to have a conversation. So when she heard Jesus was coming, she ran to him. But Mary stayed at the house. Important to know for a minute. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to him, I I said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he died, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world.
1: So just to kind of pack a little bit of context around. She responded in the way that she did because that was what she knew exactly um this was all kind of uh ideas that we get from the Old Testament or from the Torah uh that the Jews would have had yeah she was Jewish she would have known uh these kind of things um and Jesus was meaning this in like a this right now kind of time frame she was thinking oh this is jesus reciting the prophecy from the torah yeah um which was was the case but also uh-huh. wasn't it was it was both
0: yeah. it's kind of a cross connection this is the moment when jesus really kind of looks at martha cuz martha had a lot of head knowledge yes she because at the time the mary martha and lazarus had spent time with Jesus, Jesus had a chance to reveal to them that He was the Christ, and they had this book knowledge stuck in her head. And so she looks at him, and first thing she does out of the gate is blame him. You know, if you would have showed up on time when I sent you the messenger, he'd be alive right now. Mm-hmm. And it's this anger that she has, she's holding within her because she's mourning her brother's dead.
1: Yeah, um, and she she does uh, say that. Uh, but we kind of get that that anger is coming from a place of hurt because she does, she does kind of back off a little bit uh, and say that, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And I think that was almost uh, her doing that weird thing that people do sometimes, like whenever they snap at somebody, but then realize that they snapped and kind of try to, Fix it in a really weird way.
0: Yeah, it's kind of that moment when you check yourself.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: You know, and I agree. Like Martha really kind of just backpedal. She's like, "You, if you would have been here, he would not have died." But I do know that whatever you ask, God, God will give be. you, mm. because I know that you are the Christ. She's having this moment of realization. I know who you are. I know that you're God. I'm mad at you right now, but I know I can't be because you're God. Mm. And it's this moment, like, is Martha asking? Jesus to resurrect her brother right there in then. No. She's saying, whatever you ask of God, I know God's going to give you. But she never asks for Lazarus to be raised from the dead.
1: Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that's anywhere in her mind that Jesus would, maybe even could, do that.
0: Right, because Lazarus is long dead. It's the fourth day. Yeah. He stings. And we'll yeah. find that a second. But he's long dead. So Jesus kind of looks at her at this moment of, hey, he's going to resurrect. I'm, I'm here to resurrect him. Your brother will rise again. I'm here to bring him back. And Martha's like, yeah, I know in the end times he's going to come back to life. You're going to resurrect the body. No, Martha, you're not grasping it. I am the resurrection and the life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be in the end times that he's going to be resurrected. The life's going to give you back to him. I'm bringing it with me. And it's this kind of, Jesus does this a lot. Like we've seen it in the last like 10 chapters mm-hmm. where a lot of times everybody had this assumption, oh, the Christ is going to do this. The Christ is coming. The Christ is coming. And Christ is looking at them and going, no, the Christ is here. Mm.
1: It's like uh, the concept of like, I know if you've like grown up in church or anything like that, you've, you've heard the idea being like, oh, the youth are the next generation. <laughs> And all, all that kind of, uh, of terminology, tomorrow. yes. But reality is,
0: they're the church of today, exactly, just as much as the church of
1: tomorrow, exactly. And that's that. That's the same sort of logic that
0: we see here. Oh yeah, is it kind of the feeling you get with it? Because Jesus is this moment. Because I kind of see Jesus frustrated here a little bit too, because one of the disciples doesn't is not grasping the fact that he's here to raise Lazarus from the dead. Now here's Martha. Martha is the smartest of the people he knows, and she's not grasping it. Like she's mm-hmm. able to quote the Torah to, to him right now, quotes the prophecy to him right now. And he's like, "No, you're not getting it. I'm I'm here to fix it now, not later. I'm not here to save my people later on. I'm here to save them now." Mm-hmm. you know we get this a lot with our believers too guys why don't you come to christ now well i, I will later on later on it's not promised you know come now jesus saved you now not mm-hmm. later when you feel, feel like you know more about him mm-hmm. jesus is saving you now and it's always this kind of struggle we see because you know i'm the resurrection of life whoever believes in me though he die yet shall he live verse 25 verse 27 she said to him yes lord i believe that you are christ the son of god who is coming into the world. And we kind of see this moment where I don't think Martha has realized that Jesus is fully the Christ at this moment because she's like, I know you are the Christ who is coming. Yeah. It's the future
1: tense motion. It's, it's the cons. It's, I don't necessarily say concept. It's the idea that they're not realizing that Jesus has the power over spiritual life and death and physical life and death. I will agree. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll kind of see that a little bit more uh, as we go on.
0: Well, verse 28, we read this. When he had said this, she went and called her sister Mary. So Martha heard this, went to go get her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here, and he is calling for you. So cause in this moment when Jesus comes back, he wants to see Mary, Martha. Mary and Martha. Because remember, Mary, mm-hmm. Martha, and Lazarus meant a lot to him. Yeah. So he, not only did he see Martha, he says, hey, where's Mary? So hey, teachers calling for you. Come come out and see him. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had left him. So he he hadn't moved
1: much. They're still on the outskirts.
0: Yeah. So when the Jews who were now, let me pause. Because the outskirts is where the tombs would have been. This is where the graveyard would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to a lot of towns. I keep going back to like the southern culture because I know it's different up north. But like a lot of our cemeteries are kind of the focal points of our town, which is weird. Like, Have you ever yeah. noticed that like cemeteries are yeah. in the center of town? Uh, my hometown of Tullahoma, I always laugh because the big graveyard is literally in the middle of the main strip. Mm-hmm. And literally everything surrounds it. Like the high school is right next to it. Yeah. It's creepy there but for at the time of the hebrews the tombs would have been on the outskirts of town so that's why this next part happens now jesus had not yet come into the village but still in the place where martha had left him or had met him when the jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw mary rise quickly and go out they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there sorry and now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had not been here, my brother would not have died.
1: The exact same thing.
0: We get back to the accusatory. But here's the part that we don't see. We don't see her back hmm. See, Martha was mad but caught herself. But Mary got mad. And okay, we see this next one. Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said where have you laid him and they said to him Lord come and see and the shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept
1: Jesus wept
0: there's so much that we can pack out of that just that two words right there
1: there is a lot going on from uh, verses 32 to verses 35 You have to remember that this stuff actually happened. We, I think we sometimes as modern day Christians, I say that in like a time period kind of sense, we can only read the words on the page. We have to realize that this would have been an extremely emotionally charged event going on. There would have been tears. Everyone, this would have been like one of those funerals where just everybody's crying. Just overwhelmed by emotion. And I mean, Jesus too is uh, getting emotional at this.
0: Well, you see, like you know, the words uh, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. You know, this is the moment where, like that, he's being stirred up.
1: Heavily yes, because
0: yes. He's looking at. We have to remember who Mary is. Mm-hmm. Mary is the one that he casts demons out of. The one that he's redeemed from a lifestyle mm-hmm. unfitting of her. One who called her by her name when she had been not been called Mary of Magdala for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, he called her out of darkness. The one person who knows truly his power here. And she's mad at Jesus. So yeah, it's that kind of, not only is it a pain in the heart, like Mary of all people, you should know what I'm about to do. You've seen me do miracles before. You've been with me in these moments when I have raised, raised you mm-hmm. out of a lifestyle. You've seen me heal people. You have seen me call demons out of people. You've seen me raise a little boy from the, from the dead. Mm-hmm. But you're mad at me. If you would have been here, he would not have died.
1: And and we kinda get this glimpse by by the way that um verse thirty-three is phrased by it saying uh when Jesus saw her weeping, uh, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. He was moved by this sight that he was seeing. But he wasn't just moved. I think that phrasing is there to remind us that Jesus wanted to comfort these people because God is the comforter. Yeah. And I think that, but also he was deeply, he was greatly troubled. He was moved to comfort them, but he was also like, why are you not getting what I'm trying to say?
0: I've come to show you me.
1: It's like, it's like a parent watching a kid like, put their hand on the uh, stove. On. Uh, yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that?
0: Yeah, I've told you it's hot.
1: And then the kid goes and does it again. It's like, you know better. Come on. You're just causing yourself pain.
0: Let me take care of your hand. Why are you being this way, buddy?
1: <laughs> exactly. That is... That is kind of what we get from this. Um,
0: and I think there's a... Th- I want to throw a third one in here too. because I don't think it's just necessarily he's being troubled with them. But I think he's also being troubled with what he's about to do as well.
1: I can see that, yeah.
0: Because uh, we're going to talk about it in a second. I don't want to ruin it, but I'll I'll bounce back to that in a second. What he's about to... Like, why is he troubled about what he's about to do? i write it down that way. I don't forget about it. Yeah. But so, go
1: ahead, sorry. Um so we have this moment and uh Jesus doesn't really say anything to them except for where have you laid him? And I still think at that point nobody gets it. I think they just think, oh, he just wants to go see the team. He wants to go say is parting goodbyes yeah. to Lazarus. Um, and so they take him there and, and Jesus, that's, that's the moment whenever Jesus weeps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like uh, a child being at their parents' funeral or whatever. And it doesn't really sink in that they're gone mm-hmm. until the, the casket finally closes.
0: Yeah. Know. It's, when you lose a best friend
1: like yeah that,
0: like no nah, he's coming back he's fine and you're right it's that moment when everything closes that soon jesus begin to weeping for this the after. finality
1: of it yeah um and yes it's a little bit different with jesus because obviously jesus knows what yeah, he's gonna he do what, but the but he knows yes the emotions are still there but like you were talking about and we are gonna hit this he knows what he's about to do
0: yeah And it's going to kind of strike, because in verse 36 we see, so the Jews said to him, see how he loved him. Because they're seeing Jesus weep. See how he loved him. So they're automatically, oh, yes, he's mourning too. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying?
1: See, they're going to the same logic that the disciples had, the same logic that Mary and Martha had. It's because they would have seen he has the power to heal. They know that. So in their mind, if he loved Lazarus so much, why would he not have healed him while he was sick?
0: Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. Exactly. And we kind of pick up verse 38. Uh, this is really where we get to the miraculous moment. here. Mm. Um, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it, foreshadowing. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. In other words, but Jesus, he stinketh, as King King James would say. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on an account of the people standing around. They may believe that you sent me. Lord, we are one, and I'm talking to you right now, but this is not just for you and I to communicate, because I know you always hear me, but this is for everyone around me to know what's about to happen. Mm. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Now, I'm very glad Jesus started off with his name. Because could you imagine the amount of thuds against the stones if he would have just said the last two words? Oh, yeah. Yes, he says this out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go.
1: So... This is basically like uh, the mummy movie, like yeah. any sort of mummy movie at all. Just like sarcophagus opens up, just
0: bandages. Yeah, and he just kind of waddles out because they would have bound him up really well. Mm-hmm. They would have made him very pretty. They would have poured oils over him initially, and they're going in to do a second round, or they have would have already done the second round. Mm-hmm. They kind of bring out the smell down a little bit, but here he comes, wrapped head to toe in bandages. Now, I made the joke. Thank God he said Lazarus first. But we also have to realize that Lazarus was a common name. Yeah. But I, I make that joke because we have to realize that if God would have just said, hey, all you guys who are here, Barry, come out or come out, God could have raised the dead of, of everyone there. Four mm. days didn't matter. Fifty days didn't matter. Fifty years didn't matter.
1: And, I mean, we say that and there is scripture that points to where that has actually happened. Yeah, there is in the Old Testament a moment where, um, basically, again back to the KGV version, um, there's basically this valley, and there are just a bunch of corpses.
0: The valley of dry bones. Yes. Yes, the prophet Ezekiel.
1: Yes. Oh, I love the passage. <laughs> and basically, um, now if I get this wrong, hit me, Wayne. But uh, basically, God commands these bones to rise up and come alive. And they do. Just this whole valley full of skeletons. And they all just click clack together.
0: (laughs) Well, it's this moment of God really talking to Ezekiel, saying, hey, could these dry bones live again? And Ezekiel, understanding that he does not have eternal knowledge, looked at God and said, Lord, only you know. And so he said, Okay, command them to rise again. Mm-hmm. And so he does. He prophesies over the bones, and the bones, because the thing is, the valley of dry bones, the reason why the word dry is important is because these bones have been here for a while. Mm-hmm. Bones, when you pull them out, like if you ever pull them out of a pork, they have a little bit of a slime on them, a little bit of a film on them, because they have been in meat. These have been out in the sun. Out to the elements, dried, and they are scattered. Meaning, none of these bones are with their body originally. Mm-hmm. So, as he prophesies, all these bones come together, and now there's just a bunch of skeletons. So he's like, "Okay, well, prophesy on them that their flesh and sinews, all the muscles, should come together." So he does, and as he does, he sees all like the sinew, the meat, the flesh, come back upon these men, but they're all lying down. And God says, "Now, could these men ever breathe again?" and Ezekiel once again being the man he was looks at God and goes only you know and so he says prophesy that the breath of God shall enter into these men and he did and when he did every one of these men had a great voice deep voice and they came back to life and stood and it says uh, in the book of Ezekiel "Said before Ezekiel stood a great army mm-hmm. so he was able to raise hundreds of guys at the same time who had been dead for a while Lazarus is still all in one piece mostly
1: this was this was light work this is like a bodybuilder going to pick up like a basketball
0: exactly so like and the real the big important part of this is Jesus is showing that he can raise a man after four days mm-hmm. so him raising himself after three is nothing it's easy yeah so he is trying to foreshadow the power that he has
1: this a lot of this story, specifically in the section from uh, verse 38 uh, to verse 44, I would say, yeah. uh, is like direct foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do uh, for himself?
0: Yeah, to himself. To himself? Yeah, he was going to willingly die, then resurrect back on the third day. Mm. And it was like this moment of foreshadowing. But. Mm. The one part that I really want to kind of, I, I, I have it written down. Like, why was he so grieved in the spirit as well? Is the moment that when God knew that he was bringing Lazarus back from the dead, he knew where he was taking Lazarus from. Yeah. Because we have to remember, Lazarus has been dead. Lazarus is in glory at this moment. And he's taking him back from the kingdom and say, hey, come back to earth. Hey, you've passed on. You've left this earth behind. You're going from perfection, from holiness, from holiness, Back to a flawed realm. Mm-hmm. But it's so that God could be glorified in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I could do my whole sermon on you know, we go through rough things so God can be glorified in the midst of it, and you we never know where God how God's gonna be glorified in it until it actually shows. Yeah. But there's so much there. And here we see literally the dead man come back to get and everyone is amazed by this. Except in verse forty five.
1: There's always the few.
0: Guys, if Jesus does not have a plot against him to kill him, is Jesus doing his job? I always have that mentality. Are pastors really doing their job if somebody's not mad at them? I say no, they're not. If nobody's mad at them, they're not doing their job well. Because even Jesus got had people mad at him all the time. In fact, they're trying to kill him. Je- yeah. So.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And we're supposed to be like Jesus. So, verse 45: Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. So there was this mass conversion. But some of them went to, went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. So he is obviously the Messiah, but he's of the devil, is kind of where the Pharisees are going. He's the Christ. Right now. He has to be the Messiah. He's shown many signs, mm-hmm. but he's about to take away our power. And will
1: that's exactly what I was about to get to um, later on in these verses, which, again, we'll read them. But ultimately what this boils down to is Jesus is a threat to what they have established.
0: Exactly. And, guys, that's always one big thing, too. People get mad at Christ, get mad at the Christian walk, get mad at the Word of Christ or the Word of God so much, simply for the fact it takes away from what they have built up Mm-hmm. you know what good because sometimes what we build up actually most of the time what we build up is flawed if Absolutely. it's of us it's flawed if it's of god it's perfection mm-hmm. and so verse uh 40 uh, sorry 48 if we let him go on the on like this everyone will believe in him and the romans will come and take away both our place and our nation yeah. but one of them Cai- uh Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, which yes, he was right. Jesus was going to die not just for the Israel nation, Mm -hmm. but for all nations. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness, a town called Ephraim. And he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Ha! Huh, sorry. And many went up from the country into Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus, saying to one another, as they stood in the temple, Where do you think that he would not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he shall let them know so that they might arrest him.
1: So, I want to put this out there. God was involved in Caiaphas's life. Yes. Because he gave Caiaphas the prophecy that Jesus was gonna die uh, uh, for the nation, mm. which is exactly what happened. And I think almost in order for Caiaphas to kind of cover his butt. He gave the order to hunt down Jesus, which is exactly what needed to happen.
0: All of this is orchestrated by God for the purpose. Exactly, it's one of my favorite things to think about: is how far was it orchestrated? The fact that God raised a tree from a seed
1: mm-hmm.
0: to be strong enough to be made into beams. To become the cross. The fact that he helped put Rome in power so that this could come to to pass. All these different things God was in control of. Even up till the point of death God is in control. Even to the point of Lazarus who's been dead for four days God was in control. It was for in the midst of this that God could be glorified. Mm -hmm. This does not end in death. But for God to be glorified through it, mm-hmm. we always think about that just being about Lazarus. But God's saying this about the big scheme of things here. My st- like Christ is saying, "My story doesn't end in death; is for God to be glorified in the midst of this, so that all may know Christ, that all may come to whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life." And so that opportunity is not just given to Israel, the people of God. Mm-hmm but to all nations, to all people, all those even outside the fold. It is amazing to see what God can do. And I am astonished by it every second. I'm trying, like, I'm choking back tears real quick Mm because I'm just sitting here like, this is... ah, okay. But God is just so amazing in the little things that God does for us. Mm -hmm. The little things that he plans through. We might not see the big picture. That's not our job to know the big picture. Yeah. But just know it's so God can be given glory through this. We kind of get into the end of our time of the podcast. I I want to say this, and I, I'm going to get a little preachy, but it's what I do. I can <laughs> paid for it, so it's only fair. I know we're going through a lot. Mm-hmm. I know that we do. Kevin, I know you're tired. I know I'm tired. There has been things left and right, things that have made us stumble, things that have made us challenge, things that have made us look at it and go, "Lord, why?" And y'all on the other end, of the pot over here on the the airwaves, also know that we know that you're going through stuff. We all, and it's not this to lump everybody together that we all go through stuff. No, what you're going through is personal and it's important, mm-hmm. and it sucks sometimes. And you might not see where it ends or how God is glorified through it. But no, God has been glorified through it. I kind of look back to my testimony about me wanting to take my own life when I was a kid, when I was a teenager in high school. I never knew where God was going to be glorified in it until I was at camp one day, gave my testimony, gave a message. And I was, after everything, I had a camp counselor because I was just a guest preacher. Camp counselor will be aside and said, hey, wait uh, will you come sit down with me and this kid real quick? He has some things to say. I'm just, I just—I don't know what to do here. So I sat down with him. And he's like, I don't want to be here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thinking camp. And I saw the signs. And I was like, buddy, do you not, Do you mean not here on camp or not here at all? And he said, not here at all. And I looked at God. I was like, God, is this the reason why you put me through this? So that I could be here for him that day. So you could be glorified through this. Mm-hmm. And it's like that moment that it all clicks
1: together. That's going to be glorified through it. I'm sure it all clicked together for all the disciples and the the Jews that believed and for Mary and Martha whenever they saw Lazarus hopping around. Yeah. (laughs) Can you just imagine?
0: (laughs) Hear all these people. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know, glad to be back at work. I'm not dead, unlike the rest of you who presumed that I was and already wrote my eulogy but thanks mm-hmm. but this is what would like, Lazarus just paws back up the seat and looks at him and says hey guys and everybody was like
1: what well I mean think about it the disciple Mary and Martha instantly see okay Jesus said that God would be glorified and that Lazarus wouldn't die and I mean here he is he he was not breathing And and here he is breathing.
0: He's not dead. It didn't end in death. This is not end in death. The the story didn't end there.
1: And how dumb do you think Thomas felt?
0: (laughs) Thomas wanted to be resurrected with him too. (laughs) Probably. Jesus, can you resurrect me? He's like, I am the resurrection. Me next. (laughs) Let's go. Chuck them out real quick. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of times when we look at the disciples, we look. You know, God, we're so glad that it was you who came as the Messiah and not some man. Mm-hmm. One, because it would not have been perfect, mm-hmm. but also because you know, always thinking if it was me as the Messiah, I would probably like killed three people. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I would not have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but guys, we thank you so much for jumping back on Food of the table, the group podcast this week. Absolutely, we are so glad to be back in our Bible study and getting going as we head towards Easter as we head towards uh, the crucifixion of Christ and the miraculous three days later. Mm-hmm. As we continue on, guys, please make sure you guys are reaching out. We love the fact that Absolutely. we're able to have Bible studies with you. If you have a perspective that we didn't see, send it to us. If you mm-hmm. have an awesome question about what we talked about today or at all, send it to us. We love the fact that we have a community that's talking with us. Mm-hmm. So we thank you for reaching out and encourage you guys to keep doing so. Absolutely. Share it with your friends. Do whatever you guys can. Yeah, yeah. We'd love for it. If you guys check us out on our social medias, Kevin, can you give them one more time?
1: Yeah, guys. Uh, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, check us out at Food at the Table Podcast. If you're on Twitter, we're at Food at the Table. If you're on TikTok, Wayne's on there at Wayne. And if you feel like sending us an email, we are Food at the Table Podcast at gmail.com. Guys, we are, uh, we have all of these set up. Like, if you need prayer, um, send us what you want us to pray with you about. Uh, if you uh, just want to know more of what it means to follow God and to be a believer in Jesus, um, hit us up. And honestly, uh, our response is probably going to be, Pretty short and sweet. Um, just because I subscribe to something that I like to call the thief on the cross theology, um, and we'll get into that when we ever when we get into the crucifixion. About that. But it is it is literally as simple as believing that Jesus is who He said He is, and you're saved. Mm-hmm. That is the that is all. That the thief on the cross did. And God said to him, I'll see you in a little bit.
0: <laughs> Whosoever believes in me shall not perish have everlasting life.
1: It's It sounds simple because it is.
0: Yeah. Salvation is simple. Mm-hmm. Being a disciple is hard. But we're here to walk with you guys through it. Yeah,
1: that's, we're trying to be the big, small group that's what small groups do if you guys need anything from us if you want to know more about something hit us up we'll get back to you in whatever way we can
0: guys we love y'all thank you so much for joining us today on food the table a small group podcast until Mm -hmm. next time guys we love you bye
1: peace